can be glad in it. Welcome to Zion Baptist Church, where we're striving so hard to be the greatest loving church in the world. We welcome you to join us uh, as you join us here in person, those who join us on YouTube and Facebook and through our website. Uh, join us as we want to fellowship and worship our God today as our reading ministry will lead us into celebration and fellowship. <laughs> Hallelujah, salvation and glory, honor and power 
Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 1, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, Galatians chapter 1, All right. amen. amen, this letter is from Paul, an apostle, I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself, and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I again say, I say again what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Amen. That's going to preach about one God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
text in the New Testament, we're looking at the letter from Galatians. We'll be spending some time here uh, in this book as we look to this letter by Paul. One of the contents he's dealing with is the struggle within the church uh, due to them having false teaching of what it means to be a Christian. And so we want to talk about, uh, about one gospel, uh, how there's one truth. Now we have one God who has called us to be one together. But yet when we look at this text today, uh, we notice that Paul is addressing with a great alarm that there's something wrong within the church in Galatia. We find that majority of Paul's letters uh, open up, as we read this morning with the salutation, saying how he is an apostle or a servant of God, Greeting them in the name of their God, the Lord, the uh, Father, and Jesus Christ, their Lord and their Savior. He oftentimes will, in, 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 will include, if he's writing this letter with somebody else, with Timothy or with this or with that. And then he goes into his prayer. And his prayer oftentimes will highlight to us the subject matter and the content of his letter. You go back and you look through all the letters. You can see how to this church from Paul, a servant apostle of Christ, and he goes on and says, and I pray for you, or I keep praying for you, I thank my God when I think of you. You could go through the letters and see that is a common, constant tradition for Paul in the majority of his letters, but yet in this letter to Galatia. When you look at verse 6, he does not say, I thank God 
when I think of you, I, I'm praying for you. You know, he is alarmed, and it brings him the urgency of him writing this letter saying, I am shocked you are turning away so soon from God. To see this alarm here helps us to understand that there's something terribly wrong in Galatia. There's an error within the church, and it's causing division, it's causing hardship, it's causing pain. So which why you see Paul is encouraging them to go back to what they know, the gospel. Yet Christ teaches us. The gospel we come to know from Christ teaches us this. A couple of highlights I want to give for us. Uh, salvation is for all. Jesus highlights this when he talks about the mustard seed being planted and the tree grows and the birds land on it, pointing out that everybody can come in and receive the kingdom and come, come into the kingdom of God. He also says that about the wedding feast, right? When they didn't let everybody in, he says, go out into the hedges and into the hills and bring them into the kingdom of God. Jesus also teaches what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, and with all your strength. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Peter tried to challenge Christ about how often do I need to forgive my brother? Uh, seven times? And Jesus teaches, no, forgive your brother what? Seven times, seven. basically saying that you should never keep count. How many times you forgive your brother? Keep on forgiving. Uh, Jesus teaches us that if someone hurts us, we are not to be out for revenge, an eye for an eye, and two for a two. But no, he says, turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. If they sue you for your jacket, give them your coat too. Watch out, somebody. He's pointing out that we ought to be more generous and empathetic and caring than trying to be vindictive. He says that you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross. In other words, he's saying that we need to be selfless in our living and humble in his presence. He goes on and tells us these things, but yet now we're finding here today, I said today, in our church today, we see contrary teachings to these same gospel seminaries. Salvation is only for those who agree with me. Only if you agree with my ideology, the way I dress, the way I sing, salvation is only for you. You can't come to my church if you don't agree with me. That's not somebody. We see people teaching this, that I love God first and myself second. You can do for yourself. Watch out somebody. We got churches that are saying that I love all my neighbors who look like me, who agree with me. And I want those who look like me and agree with me to only be the ones who live by me. Those are my neighbors. I'm preaching to somebody today. We got those who tell them that that preach this gospel, I don't need to forgive, but you need to forgive me. Watch out somebody. We got people preaching the gospel that I don't have to give you what I possess, but if you just work hard enough, you can get it too. Watch out, somebody. We teach people this, that this false gospel is going out there that I'm a disciple of Christ in name only, but I'm only going to give up my life only to get my own riches and materials. But I'm on God to bless me as I get wealthy. There's a problem with these gospel principles that contradict us that Jesus says that did he not come for the poor? Think about how we got this prosperity gospel, right, that you should have your best life now. Health and wealth is within your grasp. All you got to do is name it and believe it. It shall come. Uh, but Bible does not teach you can name something. It's going to be into fruition. If that was a fact, Moses wouldn't have got kicked out of the promised land. Matter of fact, Moses had to talk to God because God told him to talk to the rock. 
And then God t- told him to toss the rock, but what did Moses do? He hit the rock. God permitted the water to come out, but he punished Moses. And it don't go how you want it to go. And the only person that can say something and stuff happens is God. Look in the Bible. Jesus said, peace be still. And the water and the winds obeyed his command. God said, let there be. And all that was not became to be what is. Jesus says, bring me the water. And the water turned into wine. Jesus says, blesses and they turn into follow. Nobody else can just call on their own. But when they did speak, they said, in the name of Jesus. That, that's why you look at Acts. When that demon jumped on and says, we know Peter. <laughs> we know you, but we don't know you. <laughs> and they jumped on him because you're not coming in the authority and the power of God. And so I want to encourage us in this one gospel that Christ is the center. We need to line up our teachings to be what Christ has taught us. How can the church still today be segregated at 11 o'clock? Why are we so divided? Because we have different gods that we're worshiping. How is it that your God loves one people more than another people? When the Bible says Jesus said all who call, can somebody say all? All, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so glad it says for God so loved the world. Did not say he loved this country, he loved this island, he loved this region. I know we get caught up trying to be patriot on Independence Day and say God bless America, but has America blessed God? How we worship him, how we adore him, how we surrender to him, how we give him glory. As we talk about in the doxology, how we praise him for who he is. But we bless God for what he's done for us. That's not blessing. That's thanking. We, we, we ought to bless God just for who he is. If he does not give us any more, he's already done enough. And so here it is, Paul has proclaimed this gospel to them and taught them this gospel, yet he's getting Feedback of a contradiction teaching being taught. And basically, we're going to get into this. We unpack this letter. But one of the contrary teachers being done here is telling them that they must be circumcised and they must obey the law in order for them to be righteous. But yet that is pointing out to works and works cannot save you. Tell your neighbor, works cannot save you. He's pointing out to them that your work no matter how hard you were, how good you were, it will not redeem you, it will not save you. In other words, you're saying Christ died for nothing. Because if you can work to be saved, then Jesus didn't have to suffer and die on the cross. But since you could not work to be saved, God showed his grace that we might know salvation. Join me again with a new alertness now to this text and this alarmness about how this is a different gospel being preached now today in this very world. How we need to look in and see what does God say. Galatians 1, uh, 6 to 10, New Living Translation says, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who calls you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than one who preached to you. I say again that we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Obviously, 
I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Notice what Paul points out here in this text, that I am not out here trying to get a crowd. I'm not here trying to be popular and tell you what you want. There's some people preaching a gospel out there telling people what they want. Let them know, yeah, you should, you should never be poor. You should never get sick. Yeah, I want to hear that. That sounds good. But yet the Bible tells me that God's going to destroy this earth. Sin has caused death. Sin has caused illness. So it's going to come. Matter of fact, Jesus died so that we can have eternal life, not live a best life here. Be wary of somebody want to tell you, live your best life now. You know, that, that, that was a song, popular song, talking about YOLO, you only live once. That, that is true, you only live once, but you can die twice. Because if you don't know Jesus, I'm not preaching Revelation, but if you open up Revelation, it says that he opened up and, and the abyss and he threw death <laughs> and Satan and the dragon and the beast and all those names who are not in the Lamb's Book of Life into the abyss. You know what that was? The second death. But yet Jesus says that I am the way, the truth and the light. Jesus says, I am the light and the resurrection. Though you believe me, though you die, yet you shall live. <laughs> oh, glory be to God. So you can live forever in Jesus, but you can live and die twice trying to live in this world. Don't get caught up with things that make you feel good, because everything that makes you feel good is not good. That, that's why many of us have gone to the doctor with so many other ailments that we did to ourselves because we had too much of stuff that was good. Some of us about to have it indulgence right now with too much apple pie, with too much pudding pie, too much bratwurst, hamburgers, chicken breast, whatever you might get into. But yet we understand that if we don't regulate our blood and our dietary needs, you know, too much of anything good can be bad for you. I know for a fact that I like too much sugar, and I got the cavities to prove it. Too much of a good thing can be bad for you. But yet God is good, and he is always good. And what he gives us will never turn back. I'm so glad that he is consistent. And so when we look at this gospel message and what it's given to us, it's his grace. Look, look, look with me here about this grace that we received to him. Galatians 1 and 6. Y'all with me there? He says, I am shocked that you are turned away so soon from the God who calls you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. I want to highlight here that New Living Translation says mercy, but the best translation of the Greek word is basically translated as grace, as a gift. Uh, we get the word charity from the word uh, grace in Greek, which is charis. It's C-H-A-R-I-S. And so we get the word charity, right, of giving and love and benevolence, a gift. And so God freely gave us a gift. I was adding a few more people in here. That we don't deserve. That, that through his grace, his grace was defined and manifested and made known to us in Christ. That's why in Ephesians 2 and 8 it says that God saved you by his grace. When you believe, and you can't take credit for this, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Again, 
pointing out that it's by grace, not by your works. Now, grace is coupled with our faith. Can somebody say faith? Because of God's grace, it's available, but I gotta reach out and grab. Hello, somebody. I, I gotta believe in His grace, and believing in His grace means I believe in the work of Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, our justification, our redemption, our reconciliation, eternal life, and righteousness. No, that's God's grace that makes us available by our faith to be justified, to be redeemed, to be reconciled, and made right in relationship with God. Nothing that we do makes us justified, but what Christ has done has made us justified. The gospel expresses the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Here's how the situation goes. Like I can steal something, and I can go to the judge and say, I'm guilty of stealing something, but the judge will say, I'm going to let you go free. He let me go free, not because I'm innocent, but because of grace. Y'all don't hear me. See, see, the judge has the authority, says, I have every right to condemn you, but I have the authority from this seat to let you go free. And you're going free now to have an opportunity for you to change your direction. And no longer walk in the past, but walk in newness in Christ. That's what God has shown us that. Your past is your past. You are guilty for what you have done, but because you called on my son and you believe him to be your Lord and your Savior, you are receiving of my grace and my mercy. Now I will empower you with the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you, and direct So now we work because of God's grace. Y'all don't hear me? See, God's grace has called us to move into a life of submission, humility, and obedience that we will be what Christ says to be his disciples. You are not worthy to be my disciple unless you deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. What does a man profit to gain the whole world but lose his soul? So do not turn from what you've already had learned to believe. See, the problem is that what happens is that when we become new believers. And if you can go back uh, to the first day you believed, you were open to learn as much as you could about Christ. But there's some people out there that take advantage of that and start giving false teachings. And so I remember that and, and when I was growing and I was on fire for God and I was going off to college and, and I was fully maturing and I was studying and then God allowed me with permission to be teaching Bible study groups. Now here's this. I'm a freshman on campus having seniors come to me to teach their Bible studies. I'm like, I don't know that much. <laughs> all, all I got is my Bible and my commentary and a Bible dictionary. Those were my resources. My study Bible, a commentary, and a dictionary. But I read them bad boys every day, front to back, left to right, whatever I had to do to look stuff up to know what I was teaching. And so that when it came to, I heard contrary stuff to what I believed. They'd be like, oh, yeah, y'all got to come down to Sam's door. And so I would deal with people arguing with about five percenters. Didn't know what five percent were, but I came to school, found out there's five percent who are righteous, or five percent this and that. And I would point out to them that there's only one God, he's 100 percent. And all can be saved through him. Now, I had to deal with those who believed in worshiping trees. Had to talk to them that we don't worship idols. We don't work, work, worship creation. We worship the creator. 
And so I had to go to my Bible and point out to them. So when they came with their information, I opened up my Bible. I forgot I had one more resource, Already to Fix, by Josh McDowell. I opened up that book and helped me to go against and say, hey, they tried to tell me how my Bible was not true. And I said, I got more evidence, more bibliography references for my Bible than the stuff you're telling me that you got out the National Enquirer. You see, I had to know the truth for myself. I had to hold on to what I know to be true. I had to go back to what God has already revealed to us. Some of us are looking for somebody else to tell us the truth that God has already put in the Bible. Be careful that you start reading more books. Believe in more books than you believe the Bible. Man is full of opinions. God is full of truth. So don't turn away from the one gospel you've come to believe and leave it for false teachers, for false gospels that are selling counterfeit. You know counterfeit stuff, right? You know what counterfeit stuff is, right? It, it is not what you thought it is. <laughs> you bought one thing, but you got another. You thought it was going to work like it said it's going to work, but you find out that it's not worth what you pay for. They're not giving you something that's genuine. Not giving you something that is valid and in truth. It is corrupted. And yet, we are dealing in a world that people are giving a corrupt gospel. They are not a valid source because their source is invalid. If their source is not the Bible, it's not a valid source. Their content is not based on the Bible, based on what they believe. Paul is even on guard himself, understanding that I got to be ready. I don't want to fall short. Galatians 1 and 8, he says is that let God curse all, all, may God's curse fall on anyone, including us. Or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than one we preach to you. Notice Paul is understanding that I cannot fall victim of this. That I start saying the things that people want to hear and not be true to what the gospel declares. Which means that I may not be popular in some circles because I don't agree with everything they're saying and doing. Because I'm going to stick to what I personally received from Jesus. I'm going to stand on the principles of discipleship that I preached to you and called you to believe. Matter of fact, Paul says in another text that I don't want to be disqualified. He wants to run with endurance. In other words, he's pointing out that I've got to be faithful to the conditions. Y'all know how it works. You've seen it in the news, how someone got disqualified because they didn't follow the rules. Sometimes we know rules may be unfair and it may be unjust, but they are rules. And here it is that if you don't obey the rules, everybody don't play by the same rules, it seems to be unfair. And here that we understand that our God is fair, our God is just, and so what he's called us to do, he called for everybody to do. There's no condition. There's no condition of how it's only good for some people, but not good for everybody. Thank God for the blood. It's good for everybody. <laughs> And so when we understand that I'm going to walk in obedience of the blood, i got to stay true to what God has called me to do. I cannot be listening to false teachings. I cannot be listening to things that make me feel good and maybe indulge in wealth and prosperity as I watch everything around me fall to him. 
I need to follow the part, the teachings of Christ and realize that if my brother is in pain, I am in pain. If my sister is in pain, I am in pain. If there's, as Martin Luther King said, if there's injustice anywhere, there's a threat to justice everywhere. That when we see hate anywhere, there's going to be some hate somewhere else everywhere. And so we got to be against hate now as we are against hate then and we are forever because we are for love. This one gospel teaches love, how we ought to love our neighbor. Did not Jesus give that to us? This parable of the good Samaritan. But yet, not even that, Jesus also talked about wealth. I know some people get caught up about this wealth situation. and They get caught up about how we ought to live in places of wealth. But yet, Jesus also used those who are wealthy as a teaching of what not to do. It was the rich young ruler that left unhappy. It was a rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was in heaven. Rich man was in hell. The problem was not their wealth, but the problem was the desire for their wealth. Jesus tells the parable about the man with the bigger barn syndrome. How he built a bigger barn to hold all his stuff. And he sat back and relaxed. He became a fool. So he was a rich, dead fool. And God says, now who's going to have your stuff? Y'all don't believe me? Look what the text says. Luke 16, 15. Then God said to him, you look to appear right in the public, but God knows your heart. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. He's pointing out to them that your love of money is bad for you. We need to understand we can't serve two masters. And so when we understand that Jesus teaches about this wealth and he teaches about how we ought to, it's okay to be wealthy and rich, it's okay to be that, but yet that should not be your desire. He should be your desire. Notice that if God wanted everybody to be wealthy and rich, and we claim to be Christians, why was Christ poor? Son of man has no place to call home. Foxes have their homes, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to call his home. Matter of fact, they look down upon him. Isn't he a carpenter? We know him. He's not better than us. They try to stone him and, and kill him and ridicule him. So how about this? That How is it that we say you want to be like Christ? But we don't want to be like Christ. It was Jesus, the God of a wash, the disciples' feet, that did the lowest servant's job. Because he understands humility. To be a follower of Christ means I got to follow what Christ has done. And so, therefore, Paul is understanding that, that I got to check my pride, I got to check my ego, I got to make sure that what I am doing is correct and right in God's sight. So see what's good in God's eyes. Galatians 1 and 9 says, I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Do not accept another gospel as truth, but stay true to what you heard in the word of God. The gospel, if someone tells you, that you must not suffer, then you need to go back and look how Jesus suffered. If someone is telling you not to put Jesus first, but trust your own intuition, you need to go back and say, Lord, let me trust you first. The gospel does not teach you that material possessions make you for who you are, but the gospel does teach us that God can take care of you better than you can take care of yourself. Luke 12 and 27 says, look at the lilies, 
and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. To us now, that may not mean the same to us because we can make all kinds of colors now. But back then, they only had like three colors. It was blue, red, and white. They only had a few colors. And so when you look at the flowers, right, you say, man, that'd be nice if you adored it. So right, Solomon didn't have all them guys and take the colors ready for him. But now we got HGTV that we see colors we've never seen before. We've seen cars with paint jobs that change color by the sun. We've seen things change like we've never seen before. But yet, I want you to understand this, that our God can do greater than that. Because you know those flowers will fade. <laughs> color on your cars, your house will fade. <laughs> but what God, I was at a few more people in here. So gospel teaches us to submit to him. Submit to God, to his will. Let it not be about your will. But Lord, say, say to the Lord, Lord, have thine own way. There's a sense of release where you can surrender to God. Many of us are stressed out in our lives. Many of us are dealing with anger in our lives just because we have our hands like this. We're holding on to stuff that we need to let go. And so when you have your, your fist tensed, your muscles are tight, and you're not getting as much oxygen. Y'all don't hear me? You're not getting as much oxygen as you need for you to be relaxed. And do you understand what needs oxygen? Your heart, your brain. So you can relax and allow the blood. Y'all, y'all missed that part. Allow the blood to start rushing to the places that you have been restricting it. And if you don't know, just try it right now. I was going to ask you, put your hand up above your head and make a tight fist. Just go ahead and just do that right where you are, wherever you are. You feel, you feel so don't believe what I'm saying. And make a tight fist and then let it go and start feeling that blood rush down to the fingertips. You're realizing that the blood said, I'm going back to where I was restricted to refresh, renew, because the lack of blood in any part of the body is going to come to death. Because blood is our lifeline. And so when we are holding on to stuff so tense and restricting the blood flow, we are saying, God, I got this. But yet you're out of control. When you think you are in control, you are out of control. Because God is fully in control, whether you believe it or not. I, I, I know this because I, I used to be able to fool my, my brother, my little baby brother, when I'd be playing video games. He wanted to play too, so I gave him a dummy control. Because I was in control of the game. I said, look at you, you're doing a good job. You're winning, you're winning, you're winning. But yet he had no understanding that I was playing the game. But when he got to understand, he started realizing, like, it's not moving the way I'm moving. And that's how our life is that we understand that you want me to go left, but I'm trying to go right. And we start realizing that there's some times in our lives that God, I put you in control, but I saw some things I want to do. I want to go a different way. And so now I get off the path. And then I get into trouble. Now, Lord, I look back and say, God, you had it all the time. And I want to come back and surrender to you and trust you and believe in you. And so the time that we can unlock our hands and let them down and be still and know that God will receive his teaching. And Jesus says, come and sit and you'll find rest for your soul. 
So then I want to encourage you to increase your vocabulary with the word no. No, just as God can say no, you too, too. Learn to say no more often to things that is not of his will. Know the things that don't give you peace. Know the things that will not bring glory and honor unto God. Notice that how you can live your best life in submission and surrendering to Christ. Jesus showed us through his gospel that he loved us better than we love ourselves. That he was beaten for our redemption, bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. He bore our shame and our guilt so that we might know redemption through the blood of the Lamb. Your greatest reward in life will always to be know Jesus. And the gospel tells us that Jesus came so that we might repent and come and know the knowledge of the Lord. To know the gospel teaches that you are saved by grace. We are owed nothing but death. But God has provided peace. Because Jesus is our peace, the Prince of Peace, who was crucified, buried, and resurrected for the glory of the Lord. You understand? The gospel is our peace. The gospel is our restoration. And I close with this as you unlock and let go and release, understand that the only thing that's going to make you right is not for you to do anything that gets you right, but because you can get right by the surrender to the one who already is. Lord, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. Let me remove the distractions, the noise, the echoes of things that are contrary to your will. Let me surrender to your will. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for you are good. We thank you for you are faithful. Father, Lord, on this first Sunday as we break bread together, Drink of this cup together. We are remembered, we are reminded of the sacrifice that you did for us. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, we understand now it was a crucial, painful punishment that you endured. And Lord, we thank you for that grace and that mercy. For Lord, it should have been us on the cross, but you all we will work down it for. So we thank you. We thank you. Now, Father, forgive us for times we strayed away from your gospel, from your truth. And Lord, with repentant hearts, we turn back to you right now. We want to let go and truly let you have control. Now, Lord, we pray that for someone that does not know Jesus, Lord, I pray that today they can let go and that you be Lord of their lives. That they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you died on the cross for their sins. And that you rose from the grave on the third day. You resurrected and ascended into the heavens. And you are now seated right here in the Father, Lord, as we wait for your coming back again. May they find a Bible believing, preaching, teaching church. To baptize and disciple them and help them to grow in the admonition of the Lord of you. We thank you, God, for this gospel. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for the power of your blood for redemption and salvation. Jesus Christ and Lord, we pray, amen. 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 As we prepare to continue the worship, we, uh, to 
break of bread and drink of this cup. If you can prepare those with us live and those in the, in the pews to get your uh, communion ready. On the night of Jesus' betrayal, uh, he gathered with the disciples. And so if you need a communion, please, you can notify the, the ushers or you can receive it. Amen. We walk in. As we like this hour, we prepare to eat together and fellowship together. The Bible says it's offered to do this. We do so in remembrance of him and we do so until it's coming back again. Jesus took of the bread and he blessed the bread and he broke the bread and said, this is my body. Eat, let us eat together. Likewise, he took of the cup and he blessed the cup. He said, this is represents my blood we poured out for remissions of sins. Drink ye all of it. Let us drink together. gospel concludes to say that the disciples gathered everything after the meal and they exited uh, singing hymns and continued to worship. And so those who join us alive, amen, we encourage you to go ahead and sing a hymn and worship and fellowship. Oh, it was the blood. Bless you. Tell me again, God keep you. And bless you, may smile upon you.